Welcome to the Study On Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Bauman, and I am passionate about Bible study. Friend, my journey has not been an easy one. I am a trauma and abuse survivor, and I still walk with a limp. But I also walk in freedom, because as I've studied God's Word, He has released me from layers of shame and invited me into a life filled with an abundance of His peace, joy, rest, and hope. I'm transformed because I study the Bible, and my heart's desire is to create offerings that help you get and stay in your Bible so you experience that transformation too. So thank you for spending a few minutes with me. Maybe it's as you enjoy your coffee or with pen and notebook ready, or you're driving to work or walking the dog from wherever you are in your day. Let's dive deep into a verse of scripture together. So we walk steady on. Let's get started. Welcome, friend. Today, we're going to look at Colossians 1.29 using my step-by-step Bible study method. Step-by-step is an inductive Bible study tool that focuses on one word in one verse of scripture to find life application. And if you'd like to study along with me today, I would love that. And you can find a study sheet in today's show notes, a link for that there. Or if you're not familiar with step-by-step and you want to start there, you will also find links to two videos that are the step-by-step masterclass, and it will give you a complete overview of the method we are using. So Colossians 1.29 in the ESV says this, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So the book of Colossians is written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. And I think this is a really interesting tidbit about this letter, because even though Paul wrote the letter to the church, this wasn't a church that he started, nor do we think this was a city that he ever was in. It's actually a result, we think, from his ministry in Ephesus and then believers in Ephesus from his evangelizing, from his uh, spreading the gospel there, actually took the message outward. And then this is one of the churches that sprung up that Paul didn't even anticipate starting, right? It was like a a ripple effect of his evangelism. And I think that's so encouraging sometimes because friend, there's somebody listening right now that you're in ministry of some sort. We're all in ministry and you're a little discouraged because you can't see the effects. Oh my goodness. I am there all the time. I get it. We don't always know. We don't always know how our message, how our service is rippling in front of people that we didn't intended and couldn't have reached on our own. And the Lord doesn't always let us see that ever sometimes or not right away sometimes, but I hope that you're encouraged that people that our lives touch, then their lives touch other people because their life was touched by our witness to God's faithfulness. So sometimes we don't know, but it doesn't mean it's not happening. So the audience was the church at Colossae. I think I said that already. The date of the writing is around AD 60 to 61. It is a prison epistle. Paul wrote four letters, we believe, from prison during his first imprisonment in Rome. And he wrote this one, Colossians, and also Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. Chapter one, where we're hanging out today, has 29 verses. And we are in the section where Paul is talking about his motto for apostolic ministry. And apostolic means being taught by an apostle. So one more time, Colossians, Colossians, 
<laughs> Colossians 1 29. Now see, maybe I should take that out, but I'm not going to, because sometimes we all say together Colossians. That's not right. Colossians 1 29 says, for this, I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Step one in the Bible study method is to choose our word. And our word today is toil. I am having a hard time with my words. So sorry, my friend. Toil, the definition, it is a verb. It means to labor, to work, to struggle, to weary, to be weary through excessive labor. Some synonyms of toil are things like strive, slave, strain, travail, hustle, grind, keep at, persist, persevere, endure. Who's tired already from that list of synonyms, right? Here's the thing. Our world is demanding and sometimes it feels like it's just too much. And we do feel like we're hustling and striving and slaving away at things. But this toiling that Paul is talking about with us is possible. We can endure and persevere and hustle even without being overwhelmed, without being discouraged, without feeling like a victim when we allow him to infuse us with his strength. We're going to get that into that in a minute, but I just want to, I just want to say, if you're tired today, I see you. And this is not an episode that's like, Hey, you're not working hard enough. That's not what we're doing at all. Some antonyms of toil are things like lays, relax, rest, idle, neglect, loaf, or lounge. Step two in the method is to investigate. We divide that up into four parts. Part one is to compare our word toil. I still can't say it, toil, in other translations. And I found some other words uh, in the King James 21. It says labor. The Amplified says labor, often to the point of exhaustion. It expands it that way. The Amplified Classic says labor unto weariness. And the CEV says work so hard. Part two is to research the original word. The Strong's number is G2872. Kapia, I think, kapia. It means to feel fatigue, anybody, by implication to work hard, to labor, or be weary. It is from a derivative of G2873, which means toil. I got it right that time. Toil as reducing the strength. It's like a battery inside us. An energy level inside us is being reduced, reduced, reduced. That's what this is talking about. It's from G2875, which is a primary verb, which means to chop. I thought that was interesting, but don't we feel like that some days where something is chopping away at us and we're just getting smaller and smaller and smaller, or our energy level is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The TDNT talks about this Greek word at meaning weariness as though one had been beaten, expressing severe labor or physical and or mental weariness. And there's the thing too, right? Like a lot of times we think about feeling fatigue as a physical thing or, or laboring as a physical thing. And certainly we all have times when we do that, but so often too, isn't it an emotional weariness, an emotional fatigue, an emotional chopping down. And I don't know about you, but I will just confess this. I think I'm probably not alone in this. When I feel chopped down emotionally, mentally, that's when my people that I love so much that I live with and I spend the most time with, like get the worst of me, right? That's when I grow impatient. That's when I get anxious. 
And that's when I can get sort of like self down, like feeling like a victim. I said that before, those kind of things where I'm just like a long way from the best version of myself. So we're going to talk about how we overcome that. All right. Part three in the investigate step is to read some commentary. I hope some of these things are encouraging to you. The Faith Life Study Bible says, Paul explains that he too is on the path to Christian maturity. Like all believers, he is pursuing the hard work of discipleship in cooperation with Christ's indwelling presence. There's the key. Like, we're, I'm not trying to say that things are not going to get hard. Things do get hard, and we have to push through sometimes. I have this thing in the ministry that I actually call push. Uh, sometimes I am maybe up against a deadline. Sometimes I'm working on a project that is a little derailed. It's taking longer than I thought it would. Life happens. There's an illness. I just Whatever happens. And I know in order to meet that deadline to stay on track, I'm going to have to what I call push. And so I usually feel the Lord calling me into this. This is something most of the time I don't do in my own, in my own decision, but I can just feel the Lord calling me to a time of push. And then for a series of usually somewhere between eight and 14 days, it just kind of depends. I will be at my computer at four 30 in the morning and from four 30 to six 30, while my son and my husband are still upstairs in our house, asleep in bed, I am working on things that I am trying to like make up time for or something like that. Um, sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes it's hard when my alarm goes off at 4.15 and I need to come downstairs and sit at the computer and turn the light off on and, and get going, right? It's a time of push. It's a time of working hard. But here's also what I know. Oh, this makes me cry. Because when the Lord calls me to that, he meets me in that. I cannot tell you how much work I get done between 4.30 and 6.30. Like I get a day's worth of work done. And then I spend some time with my family. I pack up Josh's lunch. I talk to my husband about our days. And then when I close the door at 7.30, when they leave, most of the time, then I'll sit down in my, in my chair in my living room and I'll open my Bible and I'll put my playlist in and I'll spend time connecting with the Lord. And I will just weep because I feel him. I feel he's so close to me. Right. So I won't say it's not hard. And I won't say that I always go into it enthusiastically. And yet I do, because as the Lord has called me to that, and we have like sort of practiced that rhythm in our relationship, I know two things. I know for sure he is going to show up mightily. When he calls me to work hard like that, he is going to show up mightily. He's going to multiply my time. He's going to be right there with me. I'm going to have clarity and it's going to be phenomenal. And then the second thing that I know for sure is it doesn't, he doesn't call me to it forever. He calls me to it in short sprints. And then he says, stop. Like we have, we have a cutoff day before we even get started. I know I'm going to work hard like this for this period of time. And then I'm going to rest. And that is good because I need that refreshing. I need that infusion of something other than work. And so if you listened to last week, I think it was just last week when we were talking about following Jesus in Mark 117, um, we're talking here about Paul's being infused by the strength of the powerful Christ, right? The risen Christ. That happens. We know when to push and when to rest. We know that infusion of his strength when we're following him. 
if I decided in my own strength that it's time to push because I just have to get this done, I know for a fact because I've tried to do similar things than that it is not near as fruitful. Not that it doesn't bear any fruit, but it's not near as fruitful when the Lord calls me and says, we're going to go and we're going to do this together. And there are going to be places of it that aren't fun, like that 415 alarm. But I'm going to walk with you every step of the way and I'm going to show up and I'm going to be with you and it's going to be fruitful and then we'll rest. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this, Paul preached the fullness of the gospel so that believers could have the fullness of life that Jesus promised. That's in John 10, 10. To this end, Paul expended all his God-given strength, developing maturity in believers to great labor or wearisome toil, and even struggling or agonizing like an athlete in the arena. The power for this struggle, the power for this struggle came from Angie. No! right? No, the power for this struggle came from Christ, right? That's where it comes from for me. That's where it came from for Paul. That's where it comes from or will come from for you. If God is calling you to a season of push, whatever that looks like in your life, whatever that's called in your life, God's strength will make it possible. The new Bible commentary says that labor denotes intense effort. And Paul gladly acknowledges that the strength for this effort comes from above. God, who had shown his mighty power by raising Christ from the dead, is powerfully at work in in him as he toils energetically. I love that, toils energetically. Like it's not just a push through, I can hardly make it. I'm like limping across the finish line. I've been there. I have been there. But what if, as we get closer and closer to Jesus, there's less limping across the finish line and more toiling energetically? Oh, I love that. Okay, part four in the investigate step is to rewrite the verse in our own words. I'm going to read it from the original, Colossians 1.29, and the ESV says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I rewrote the verse like this. I continue working hard, even to the point of exhaustion, in the hope my efforts will help others grow in their walk with Christ. And I can do so powerfully because of his power at work within me. Step three in the method is to find the characteristics of God. And I wrote no favoritism. That one stood out to me this time because all who work for him will receive his power and strength in their work. This is not a a special, you're not special. Like I always say, I'm special, but I'm not special. All of us who are following him, like from last week, right? And are doing the work he's calling us to, sometimes it'll get hard. Sometimes it'll get exhausting even. And yet we are able to do it. All of us who are called into work with him, which is everyone who calls on him. um, All of us who are called into working with him will receive his power and strength in our work. Then I also put that he lifts my head Because sometimes when my head would hang down in weariness or self-pity, he raises it so I will lock eyes with him and connect to his love and strength. I get discouraged when I focus on myself. I stay encouraged when I focus on him. It sounds probably tried and simple, but I'm telling you it's true. When I'm feeling weary, overwhelmed, discouraged, 
I have learned to ask myself, where am I thinking that whatever it is that he's called me to isn't satisfactory, it isn't sufficient, it isn't meeting my needs? And where can I change my focus and focus my attention on the way that he is providing, comforting, strengthening, taking care of everything I actually need? It's so easy to confuse needs with wants, is it not? Step four in the method is to identify the lie of the enemy. And here are some things that the enemy will say to me, whisper to me, be afraid, right? That's always the heart of the lie, always the core of the lie. Be afraid, Angie, that your work doesn't matter. No one is listening. No one cares. Be afraid, Angie, that you can't keep going because you're out of gas, right? Be afraid that you're going to look like a failure when You tried everything you could to make this project happen, fulfill this assignment of the Lord, whatever, and it makes you look silly because it didn't happen, it failed, it bombed, whatever. And it doesn't mean that everything we do is a success in the eyes of the world. But here are something else that I know to be true, because I've had a lot of ministry projects that kind of didn't look very pretty or I needed to abandon or a variety of things, right? Like it just didn't look successful through the eyes of the world. So, so often when that has happened for me, I have learned so much about myself and about God. And so I, I am trusting more. I'm pausing a little bit, hesitating, because I do not want to give any kind of indication that I have this all figured out. Oh, not true. But I am learning that in those what I would call failures, I am learning something that will set me up well for what he's calling me to next. Will I submit? Will I believe that I followed him to the best of my abilities and that he is pleased with my efforts and my obedience because that's what he cares about. He cares about my obedience and my heart being all in for him, right? Will I believe that he cares about that and that he is pleased with me no matter what the world or me, Angie, the the, the toughest critic of myself, right? Um, no matter what the world would say, he sees success and growth and he blesses that. Okay, step five in the method is called So What? Where we make note of a key takeaway. And my key takeaway for today is this. If and when I do feel out of gas, I can check my connection frequency God is not a God of lack. He will provide every single thing I need to answer his call on my life. Friend, I'd love to hear your takeaway. If you have one, a takeaway, a question, a suggestion, a comment, anything, email me at steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. If you have not yet, I would be grateful. It helps the show so much if you subscribe. So if you can click that little subscribe or follow on whatever podcast directory you use to listen, that would be awesome. It just helps the show a lot. And if someone came to mind as we were chatting today, I would love it if you would share this episode out with them. Inviting others into what we're doing here is another great and free way to support the show. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.